opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, this station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to this Monday edition of Lifeline, January 29th, 2024. A great day. A marvelous day, of course. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it and give him thanks for where we are right now, able to engage one another in discourse, conversation, dialogue, disputes, debates, uh, deliberations about world events and their place within the framework of God's redemptive calling in our lives. Jesse Gistan is your host. The number to reach me is one 367 Pastor of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, California for some 28 years now. Happily so, we started in San Leandro, small band of brothers and sisters, now a moderately significant size of men and women, young folks, old folks across the totality of different ethnic groups, loving it in Jesus' name, exalting him, expounding his word, a no-nonsense preaching, teaching, expository ministry, if I might say so myself, and not willing, uh, not afraid to, not leaning away from dealing with the real controversial issues of life, as I have shared with you so many times. We are committed to a prophetic word. We are committed to a priestly word. We are committed to blowing the trumpet and sounding the alarm as Ezekiel was called to do it. And uh, we set forth the warnings of scripture to all mankind that until we bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the risen reigning ruling sovereign of the universe, we are in danger of eternal peril. We need Christ. We are sinners. And apart from the mercy of God in Christ, doesn't matter how high you are on this planet, what role you place, what dignitary office you, you occupy, what, what realm you exist in, in terms of power and dominion and wealth, every knee is going to bow. It doesn't matter how privileged the knee is on this side of glory. In that day, that knee shall bow before its maker as well. Prepare to meet your God is what scripture says to all of us, particularly in these crazy, obscene, warmongering days in which you and I are living. It's absolutely stunning to me that uh, you would have a group of collective states, nation states gathering together in a ICC, International uh, Court Judiciary, ICJ, and, uh, and make it very clear by evidence that amounts to 84 pages to Israel, to the state of Israel, that they have engaged in war crimes, and they are engaging now in ethnic cleansing and are engaging in genocidal practices. Uh, these things are so explicitly clear that it's not even debatable, fundamentally speaking, but here we go, because Netanyahu, Netanyahu, as they put it over there, 
uh, feels as if he can just bypass, disregard international law. I mean, after all, his big brother does it often. That is to say, the United States, if we use the masculine gender for these two uh, uh, boxy twins who engage in their affairs around the world and tell other countries you can go where you want to. You are not going to uh, fray us, defray us. You're not going to stop us. We're going to do what we want. And in addition to that, we're going to tell you how to see it, how to view it, how to understand it, how to interpret it. You must not see it in the light of truth. You must see it in the light of a frame-controlled, curated, narrated piece of propaganda. And, uh, and, and if you don't like it, again, you can go where you want to. This is absolutely phenomenal. And, and here... Um, you know, we have been warning that the Middle East is becoming a powder cake, and it is. It's moving closer and closer to uh, multi-nation conflict uh, scenarios as uh, as uh, other nations are getting involved in the, in the skirmish over there. America certainly uh, sticking its toes deeper into the water in the uh, midst of the Mediterranean Sea and uh, in relationship to the Houthis and uh, and uh, some uh, militant groups backed by our, uh, Iran, we might call them Hezbollah and uh, and Hamas and others, um, all in the name of preserving Israel's right to do whatever it wants to do with two million people, of whom the vast majority of them don't even have weapons to fight back. I don't know how you call this a war. Um, if we're going to be honest about it, and I'm glad to be talking to you, American people, about these things because you will have largely a complete blackout on your mainstream media because the powers that be tell them if you even remotely sympathize with those poor men and women of which the media can't even say their names consistently and with a humane construct on it, the Palestinian people. They can't say it because you are then an anti-Semite, which is the furthest thing from a real definition of anti-Semitism, but, you know, if you are in control of the mainstream media, if you're in control of the narrative, if you have the purse strings to tell the puppets who stand in front of cameras to say what you want them to say as the Wizard of Oz, then they're going to do it because they're not uh, journalists in the real sense of the word. They're not really people who can tell you what the facts are because the facts, again, are confiscated, they are hijacked, they are controlled, they are suppressed, they are repressed, and uh, your mainstream media, therefore, is just a bunch of shillings doing what uh, they get paid to do. Uh, there is no prophetic voice in the media anymore. Used to be. A prophetic voice, just in case you didn't know, at the fundamental level is just a voice willing to tell the truth about what the facts are on the ground, notwithstanding consequences or rewards. God often told the prophets of old how rebellious Israel was and how rebellious the false prophets in their day were. I was talking about this yesterday in our community. Community. One of the things that's very dangerous about the word of the living God is that the word of the living God has no respect of persons for any individual let alone a nation or a group. The Bible's explicitly clear about the fact that all have sinned. And the Bible's very clear that the, the wickedness is an abomination in the sight of God, not only for those who don't know God, but for those who pretend to or profess to know God. Wickedness 
is an abomination. And it's remarkable to listen to the prophets of old who warned over and over and over and over again about lying, about stealing words, about uh, setting forth false prophecies and false teachings. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, and so many more. It seems like all the way back to Moses in the legislation of Torah when he gave uh, the people of God the Pentateuch, that, uh, that a false prophet was not to be tolerated. And yet all throughout Israel's history, what did they buy into? Idolatry and false prophets and false teachings. Nothing is new. The same is true today, not only of Israel, but the country you and I live in right now. We are inundated by misrepresentations of reality. We are inundated by falses, inundated by curated narratives, and inundated by false realities. This is the turning of things upside down, as Isaiah put it in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 16. Your turning of things upside down is as the clay telling the potter that he doesn't know what he's doing. And that's where we are today across so many categories of human existence and human institutions is laughing about the uh, brouhaha going on around a plagiarism of which I talked to our congregation about yesterday as well, because there's nothing new under the sun. Even the false prophets went around plagiarizing each other, stealing each other's words, Jeremiah 23 will tell you. And you see it going on masterfully in politics today, um, just absolutely masterfully. And so where are you at? Where are we at as common citizens on the ground that uh, peruse media, social media outlets, and then our so-called long stable mechanisms for information such as talk radio, which uh, I'm very glad you're joining us and with us and, and listening to us. But where are you at with all of this crazy stuff? Do you know how to filter it? Can you tell when you are being given a pack of lies? A propaganda piece. Are you able to discern uh, right from wrong in that regard? Listen to these words. We're going to take a break. Again, the number is one 888 But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a what? A thief in the night. What that means is you cannot discern when it happens. All you can try to do is be ready. It's coming in the darkness of spiritual blindness and ignorance and chaos. And it's coming at a time when things are alleged to be okay. For, listen to what he says, when they, say, when they shall say peace and safety, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. The question is, who are the you brethren? Because every Christian in America swears it knows the day and the hour in many cases. We know we're up on Armageddon. Again, we know we're headed towards a destructive period of time. Or do we? Exactly where are we today? I think we're in some difficult times. Don't know if we are in the final times, but I think we're in some difficult times and we do need to be circumspect. Again, the number is one 888 one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Number of topics we're going to talk about, and then we'll take your phone calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time five twenty on the Monday. 
Tradition of Lifeline first and foremost, before we go back to world political issues, the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. They will be continuing with the Kansas City Chiefs, which will be a good rematch from 2020. Um, I don't know. I like both teams. I really do. But I'm always down for our local teams. And so I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um, in the midst of all of, again, these very dark, opaque scenarios around the world, we have uh, we have an opportunity to kind of just take a little bit of comic relief break. Not a lot. We should not be people sticking our head in the sand and acting like real life matters don't matter. They do. But um, certainly uh, to have the Super Bowl, uh, I think we've, we're at five Super Bowls for the San Francisco 49ers, but yes, um, looking forward to it. It was a good game last night. In fact, they pulled it out and that was very satisfying to our um, eyes. I'm sure if you're a 49er fan or even a Kansas City fan, which is hard to not be either of those, but I guess it's possible. We will be looking up in a couple of weeks and having a pretty fantastic Super Bowl, perhaps. I mean, you know, so many things are spoiled and so many things are corrupted and contaminated by the apps. I was talking, we're going through the book of Romans and, and, and Grace, you can go online, grace-bible.com and listen to my uh, exposition in the book of Romans. And we're, of course, in what I have cited as one of the most controversial chapters in the Bible, controversial in that it is so poignant and so relevant and so penetratingly insightful as to the disruption of human normality, uh, the assault against the true nature of God and a destruction against Yamago Day and mankind. That is a, a, an attack, a sieging, a ripping apart of the reality of life really being the productive consequence of heteronormative prominence. When our society is dominated by that model of life that God created and called for, and that is heterosexual relationships within the context of covenant and children being born out of the midst of two responsible parents. Um, all of the statistics are in. Life is much better. We still have our difficulties, but life is far better when we see things through the lens uh, of God. We are in a state today where, as Romans 1 said, the revolution has led to a sexual revolution, and that sexual revolution has led to a morbid twisting of reality at the uh, disjointed, confused, um, inverted, predatorial status of human beings just engaging, as Romans 1 says, in, in those things that are not productive, and their outcome is always destructive in nature. So in addition to crazy, unnecessary, uh, uh, unlawful wars, as is the case with Israel and the Palestinians, anyone that has a scintilla of moral, ethical rectitude can see the folly in that event. We know there's more going on. The question that the Lord Jesus would pose to you and me is, do we allow the iniquity of the world to harden our hearts and cause our hearts to wax cold? That's what he said. When iniquity abounds, the hearts of many shall wax cold. So you and I are under test. Whenever we see evil anywhere, we have to ask the question, does this harden me or does this make me more sensitive? Does this cause me to take on an ethic of avoidance and um, ignoring 
um, nor does it compel me to want to be what God called me to be, my brother's keeper. That's really the issue. Whenever evil emerges and becomes uh, front page or the staged event or the optic before the eyes of multiples of people, the temptation of evil <clears throat> is to assert sovereignty and uh, the dominant reality in spite of how false it is in its premise. And if we are people who are afraid of telling the truth, we won't stand up against that evil. And I'm looking at a nation, my own, and I've been around for 63 years, and I see us not valiant for the truth uh, in the aggregate whole. There are people, of course, I love my country in this regard. There are people all across America who are absolutely just great people, yeomen, and they know how to get at it. They know how to tell the truth. They know how to stand for truth. They know how to be bold about it. They know how to suffer for it. This is true across the world as well. Um, but in the aggregate whole, our leadership is proving it to self, itself to be very much like the biblical model of uh, the hypocrites in Zion, the uh, drunkards in Jerusalem, the uh, misfit prophets that prophet preach for hire and for gain. All of those old biblical narratives are so apropos and so expediently relevant in the era in which you and I live. One wonders what is our purpose in the midst of this kind of broken, chaotic uh, discourse uh, of a society. Well, it has to be one that is prophetic. Uh, the beginning of all correction has to come with telling the truth. That's just the fact of the matter. It's your Bible, okay? God is a God of truth. He's calling you and me to tell the truth. When he came to Cain, who killed his brother, and this is where murder began to be the seeds of our first parents' rebellion, he said, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain acted like his brother didn't even exist. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is, of course, you are your brother's keeper. Who else is your brother's keeper if you're not for him and he for you? And uh, and God says, I can hear your brother's blood crying from the ground. What have you done? Not that God didn't know, but God is always calling you and, you and I to responsibility and accountability for our actions. And notice the blood cries out from the ground. And from a biblical stand, standpoint, you can't do evil and get away with it. You can't kill innocent men, women, and children and their blood not cry out from the ground to the Lord of Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts will always hear it. And then he's going to call your attention and mine on the ground to accountability. Did you hear the blood of your brother crying from the ground? Did you, did you see the demise of your brother? Did you, were you complicit? Were you the perpetrator? Did you engage in it? This is never going to go away, my brothers and sisters. I don't care how much <clears throat> you spend your time in the Hollywood environment of uh, denialism and the entertainment world of avoidism. You, you can't get away from the cry of the blood of the innocent when you and I are called to be our brother's keeper. And that's what Jesus, that's what John the Baptist was. He was, he was his brother's keeper. And you will often hear people who will bring up the ancient and irrelevant trope that you can't mix politics with religion. If you don't bring to bear upon politics, 
a moral ethical standard, which is religious in nature when properly representing the truth, then politics is nothing but a soon-to-be totalitarian system engaging in the whim and capri of the powerful. And uh, we, we tout that America is a nation predicated upon Judeo-Christian principles. But we actually know, as I was teaching yesterday in Romans 1, that we too as a country have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we are worshiping the creature rather than the creator who is overall blessed forever. This is why Netanyahu, Netanyahu, and Joe Biden both are up for criminal charges in their own countries while right now waging war around the world. How dystopian can that be? And then the people on the ground in both countries are being distracted by the war as if the real problem is not within our government, and it certainly is. You may not even like what I'm saying, but it's the truth. Um, we are constantly deflected from the reality of the corruption in our own country, thinking we have a right to adjudicate and to address and to fix the problems in other countries. And all we do is give our sons and daughters to the collateral damage of unjust wars. And that's what's going on here as well. This is why I'm speaking up about it, because you won't hear it much on Christian radio, because they are captivated largely by um, special interests, sadly. We had to unpack that as well. This is what you clearly see in your Bible, how easily religion can sell out to political whims, political positions, and political powers. The only thing that emerges out of religion that is even salvific in nature is the prophet. And if it wasn't for the prophet, the standalone prophet, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Hosea, Amos, and the like, if it wasn't for John the Baptist, if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus, if it wasn't for that despised of all Jews, the apostle Paul, um, you wouldn't have truth. You would not have a depository of truth if men and women weren't willing to stand up for the truth in the name of being our brother's keeper. So I thank God for the Bible. I really do. I thank him for the word of God. I thank him for the testimony of faithful men and women. Speaking of that, when I come back, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the facts on the ground concerning the uh, indefatigable labors of men and women in the medical field who have gathered and ascertained data around what happened three and a half years ago with this bioweapon called the jab. It's, 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 it's a mess as well. It's a mess as well. We're not better than we were three, four years ago. We're actually more ill now than we were before, but we can do something about it. The number is one 367 1-888-367-5329. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, C.K. I'll be right back. Media Group. Retirement Outlook. If your retirement account is mostly stocks or bonds, listen closely. The future of your savings may be more uncertain than ever before. Hi, I'm Paul Stone, CEO of Colonial Metals. The sad truth is our government continues to eat away at our freedoms and security. In economic times like these, run around the flagpole by lunatics in Washington, I look to the most trusted store of wealth in human history, physical gold and silver that you own. 
At Colonial Metals, we specialize in helping folks with IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts move their savings into physical gold and silver. If you'd like a free gold investment kit, give us a call today at 820-800-8000. My team is standing by ready to rush a free gold investment kit to you. You may also qualify for $7,500 in free silver and a free safe. Call 820-800-8000 now. That's 820-800-8000. Colonial Metals is not a financial advisor. Consult with your advisor before investing. That's 820-800-8000. Providing for your family is a top priority. But what happens when you need affordable health care? Christian Healthcare Ministries can save you up to 40% today. As a member, you can choose your provider without network restrictions. Sign up at your convenience with our anytime enrollment. Join a Christian community that supports each other's medical expenses, offering peace of mind as you prioritize what's most important. Enroll now at yourchm.org. The words you are about to hear are taken from letters sent in by members of the Trinity Debt Management Program. Dear Trinity, today I'm making my final credit card payment. Before I came to you, I was in a constant state of anxiety and panic, but now there is hope for my family's financial future. Working with Trinity made me understand that I'm not alone. You really do help people. Your kindness will never be forgotten. Without Trinity's support, I would not have achieved my lifelong goal of becoming debt-free. We saved a lot on interest and penalties, of course, but the reward was the gift of human kindness. Trinity has carried me through a very difficult time in my life. You're amazing. I used to feel so anxious and hopeless. Now I feel grace and peace. God bless Trinity as you continue to help others become debt-free. If credit card debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-793-9159. That's 1-800-793-9159. Here's Dr. Robert Jeffress with today's Pathway Minute. When I was youth minister, I had a guy, he was a junior in high school, come to see me. He said, Robert, I've got a problem. I don't know what to do about it. I said, well, what is it? He said, I'm having a hard time keeping wrong thoughts about girls from entering my mind. And I said, well, when do these thoughts tend to come? He said, usually when I'm looking at the pictures in Playboy. I said, well, cancel your subscription. We wonder, why am I in such temptation right now? Because we've gotten ourselves in a situation that nobody can handle. The Bible says over and over again, flee youthful lust. Don't see how close you can get to the edge of immorality without crossing the line. You ought to run from that line as far and as fast as you can. Dr. Robert Jeffress is heard Monday through Friday on your station. To learn more, go to ptv.org. And now, back to Lifeline. Indeed, we're back. The time is 5.35 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's see, two lines open, one 888 if you want to uh, join yours truly in uh, our conversation. Yes, we are in a really, really weird way Today, you guys just trying to work through some difficult things here in uh, the new year. Um, and so, yeah, we got to anchor, we got to hunker down and think about, you know, what's important in life, how we're going to deal with once again, another kind of crazy year, election year, crazy for sure. Um, 
we're listening, looking at the polls and getting in the polls, all kind of uh, really, really um, negative views about our present president and uh, not so much even with the President Trump is in a lot of trouble, trouble, you guys. For those of you who are pro-Trump, lots of stuff going on there, uh, lots of difficulties going on there, notwithstanding some of the crazy judges that are um, uh, coming up uh, with some weird backgrounds in their life that probably will disqualify them. But yeah, um, Trump got a lot on his plate. Don't know what that's going to look like uh, as for as for me, I'm, I'd rather somebody who is fresh and capable of actually getting us back on track because it just seems too messy. I don't know if that's your that's your view. It just seems too messy. And and besides, when I think about where Trump is, there are a lot of questions he's not answering. And uh, even if he gets back in, we do not know whether or not he can actually fix the problems that exist or repair some of the problems he engaged in himself before that facilitated some of the stuff that we're dealing with now. Like, he just will not admit that he played a fundamental role as commander-in-chief in the uh, implementation of a uh, gene therapy mechanism that really needed more testing, more evaluation, longer-term uh, rigorous testing before just dumping it on the world because, again, these things were not proven at all to be helpful in terms of uh, a mechanism for vaccination. They just never have proven to be in the areas in which they were used to try to deal with um, viral strains and things of that nature. The, the outcomes were not good. And the animals that they dealt with, they just were not good, whether it was rats or, or um, other animals, monkeys. Um, they just were not good. That being said, the, the the real factors are that people are able to get a hold of some of the data and in America. I mean, the stats are in. There's about a 22% consistent rate of people who have uh, taken the jab, particularly two or three, 22% of people were harmed. And I mean, across the different age spans. And 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 22% of people means 22 people out of 100. That's too much for a, a mechanism that didn't do the job that it said that it would do. And that means a lot of young people, a lot of middle-aged people, a lot of older people are dealing with a much more poor quality of life than, than they had to. And I'll just state it on the other side of the equation because it's so very clear that the people that did not take the jab fared fine throughout this uh, throughout this era of COVID, uh, notwithstanding the older people that were dealing with comorbidities and different very serious, you know, um, autoimmune deficiencies. We, we were unhealthy before COVID came, but COVID exponentially moved us into another level of unhealth. And today, there are just all kinds of uh, post-COVID, post-jab illnesses and sicknesses, not to say the least of the very common ones that you and I know right now, thrombosis, bleeding, uh, myocarditis, pericarditis, et cetera, et cetera. These things are still uh, prevalent, steady, increasing. Um, for for men and women who um, who really thought that they were doing the right thing by by their government, and we're just now getting our um, 
our Department of Justice and our courts systems ready to think about some kind of reparation, some kind of payouts for people who are obviously suffering from the consequences of jab. It's really crazy how we can spend so much money on war. And then when it comes to um, people who are injured at home by the malfeasance of our own uh, pharmaceutical and medical industry in the name of experimentation, how long it takes before we recognize that we are culpable, that we are um, responsible for uh, men and women. And then, and then you know, we got to go through the course for years to fight for people whose homes and lives and careers have been just completely disjointed by this kind of um, draconian, fear-mongering, world-changing technology that came out of the World Health Organization and was completely capitulated to by the CDC and the FDA. Um, it's, just, it's just wrong. We definitely need new leadership in all of these positions that know how to be responsible and maintain at the same time our constitutional rights and a rigorous, rigorous ethical governance system in the medical industry. Big Pharma cannot, cannot, should not, must never be the defining factor of the methodology by which medicine is employed in the lives of the common citizen on the ground. It should never be the case. Whenever you're dealing with money way at the top with, with uh, administrations that are in it for the profit at the Wall Street level, do you understand they are boasting of hundreds of billions of dollars of profit across uh, trillions right now across the three years that we've been dealing with COVID? They are boasting of trillions of dollars of profits when 20% of jobs have been taken away and lost permanently in America, not to say, not to mention many other places around the world. They are boasting of, um, of again, just folks during that whole COVID period, you have more billionaires come into existence through, again, uh, medical technology at the uh, business level, uh, just become wealthier and wealthier while the people on the ground are becoming poorer and poorer. This is a sad state of affairs when you lay the graph out and look at it across the sector of big business, uh, uh, the, the stock market, uh, the government, and then the common people on the ground. The common people on the ground always lose. We're struggling to, to make ends meet. Then on top of that, we're not feeling good. This is not a thriving scenario, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not a thriving scenario. Look, three lines open, one 888 And so you ask me, so then what do you do about it, PJ? Take responsibility for your life. Actually get informed. Uh, take up a cause. Take up a task. Um, be, be proactive at shining the light on matters. Are getting in there fixing them. We might be talking again with Leslie Leslie tonight. What we're doing here locally, quite frankly, is gathering up good men and women and helping them run for local offices so that they can be salt and light in all of the different communities where we know we need salt and light. That's that's the first thing you can do if you if you've got free time and you want to become a board member at, at a school or. Um, some of these uh, electable jobs that are wide open. We've told you before in California, even in Northern California, just in our area, 
uh, like over 100 openings for jobs wherein you and I can begin to shift and modify and detour and move people in the right direction. Otherwise, we're just simply sitting by and letting our society go to hell in a handbasket. And that's not the purpose for living. The purpose for living is to help men and women see the right way and to bring them up out of the pit with the tools that God gives you and me to be able to do that. Again, one 367 5329 so much so much going on, and we do need to have these conversations about it because there'll be a time when you can't, and then you'll go, I wish I could. And so uh, after our break, we will certainly uh, begin conversations on this Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll take your questions. I'll take your observations. I'll take your your comments. one 367 As for me, I'm glad to be alive, glad to be healthy, healthy, relatively speaking, um, glad to be gainfully employed and glad to be talking to you in the context of this kind of freedom. I was listening to a report concerning Jordan B. Peterson when he stood up in Toronto as a professor of psychology and they wanted to condemn him because he was protecting free speech. They were able to just about get his license taken away because he would not capitulate to terminology that doesn't correspond with reality. That is he, she, they, them, thus when it comes to the uh, fixed binary genders of men and women. He wouldn't do it because you can't force people to lie to themselves and call that a free society. I don't blame him, but now they want to take his license away. And that's all because people are not standing up. If you don't stand up, tyrants will do whatever they want to do. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. To join the conversation, call 888-4KFAX. That's 888-FOR-KFAX. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 5.50 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line one and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. How you doing, my brother? Oh, I'm doing pretty good tonight. Good, good. What's your thoughts, man? Well, um, you know, just been kind of keeping up with the whole world economic forum and all these things that are going on in our world seem to be interconnected. And I noticed uh, that that uh, Mr. Schwab has a daughter who I guess she was head of some kind of gender neutrality forum. I forget yeah. whatever projects she had. And, and then, um, you know, I see I was connected with the Bill Gates Foundation. I guess what I wanted to ask was, do you think all of these things are in any way connected with the things going on with the, the lack of concern with the Epstein Island and many of these politicians. And, you know, I saw Mr. O'Keefe expose some things that are going on in, in our political world. And it just seems like wholesale perversion is, is like, it's almost like a demonic currency. Do, do you think it's just all interconnected in some way? It's interesting because <clears throat> When you talk about Epstein Epstein Island, and you know, I've used that a couple of times now in our uh, exposition scripturally, and I'm just kind of giving it out in code because what Epstein Island is is a um, it's a model for the perversion of the society that exchanges the truth of God for a lie. You know that. But it's a model that is actually designated 
for the people at the highest level of government and business. Uh, most people that are penetrating deeply enough into the Epstein files recognize that Epstein is part of a cabal of uh, wealthy individuals who strategically take prominent players in the shaping of our world politics, the shaping of our world events, the shaping of our world narrative. That, that would be uh, wealthy people from across the business world, the entertainment world, you know that, the entertainment world, I mean, all the way up to, um, you know, uh, Chris uh, Tucker and, uh, again, um, Jay-Z and his wife, and the list is massively, uh, uh, you know, extensive across all of your Hollywood actors who are extremely wealthy. They all thought that it was okay to traverse through that um, that honeypot hole. That's what it's called, a honeypot. I've talked about that here as a strategy of trapping powerful leaders and putting them in compromising states, uh, engaging in illicit behavior, and then filming it or recording it or, as you know, capturing it by, um, by tracking records. And so the Epstein files have come out and almost all of your, your leaders, um, your wealthy uh, po political leaders have engaged in uh, illicit sexual activities one way or the other with young women. Uh, and you know, this is all tied to uh, sexual exploitation of young people and even children because they've got pictures, you know, of, uh, of even Bill Clinton. Uh, and Bill Clinton has tried to shut down the conversation around his hyper-frequent activity in Epstein Island. But you see, this is why I was saying before the break, nobody's clean. I, I You know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't mind. The left is not clean. The right is not clean. Bill, I mean, uh, Donald Trump has frequented the island many, many times. And uh, back in the day when he wasn't running for president, it was easy for him to talk about Jeffrey Epstein like a rock star, along with all kind of other uh, philanderers and men and women who would engage in the, the frolicking of a kind of of kind of Romans one behavior. And, and of course, those those models get passed down to other groups for the African-American community. We know now that in the entertainment industry where young impressionable men and women have uh, thought that they would go into music and become hip hop stars and entertainers and singers and exploit their body parts to make money. Because again, this is why the scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. What are they doing? They're engaging in the Neo-Jeffrey Epstein honeypot of, uh, of, of P. Diddy, right? And they're engaging in behavior of the same kind of sadistic, perverse, wicked, uh, vile behavior that they know better because a significant portion of those uh, human beings have either come up out of the church or as um, unfortunately, um, uh, T.D. Jakes is, is implicated in this kind of behavior, how gross that is, um, that he would be implicated in these kind of behaviors as well. But there you go. What was going on was the notion, and it was, it was paraded by Hollywood with, um, 
with the other Epstein, uh, Weinstein, uh, rather, uh, going around and having his way with women and in the black community, you know, again, it goes all the way up the ranks and into the entertainment industry. This seems to be, as I'm working it through at a, at a deeper theological frame, Jermaine, it seems to be, yes, this is Romans 1 on an institutional level, uh, a global uh, trajectory level for destroying a heteronormative dominant society that we would call fundamentally Christian, though it's not exclusive to it, society apart from the grace of God, apart from a biblical worldview, apart from a, a, a sound grounded heterosexual covenantal framework for marriage and relationship must necessarily collapse into a predatory system of power dominance and it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. And as I hinted in my message yesterday, to your point, all of the economic structures, all of the power systems, all of the institutions, all of the uh, technocratic uh, features of integrated collaboration and, and, and as it were, uh, plutocratic and corporate uh, corporate uh, collaboration is about transforming the world into the image of something that the Bible would consider fundamentally a godless, beastly system. And it appears that the way they want to do it is uh, through the pathway of pleasure and perversion. And this is why it seems to always show up anytime we're able to get past and penetrate through the valence of the hypocrisy of the front of a of a leader with his wife and two kids. I mean, you know, how many times do we get that in the White House? The man, the woman, the two kids. The man, the woman, the two kids. The man, the woman, never the man, the woman, and 10 kids. <laughs> you know, like, like legitimate church folks are five kids. It's almost the man and woman and two kids. And we know now that that is nothing but a propped up front and behind closed doors, both, if, if you will, Hillary as well as Bill Clinton, Obama as well as Michelle, um, uh, who knows what George Bush was doing, but so forth and so on. They, If they don't engage in it directly and personally themselves, most of them do, <clears throat> according to Romans 132, they take pleasure in those that do. And so, yes, the fact that we have laws on the ground now demanding that our children be uh, protected by law to move into and explore these pathways of a destruction of their own biological uh, immutable characteristics and to, through technology, uh, rearrange themselves physiologically uh, into something that they are whimsically calling themselves, which in short order, give it four or five more years, it won't just be the binary expression. It won't be, I want to be either a boy or a girl. It will be much more prominently, I don't want to be identified as either or, and it will soon to be, I want to be identified as other. In other words, once we allow, this is why war is dangerous too, Jermaine. This is why war, watching people die on the battlefield, blown into smithereens, callously killed by a 20 a uh, thousand pound, two thousand pound bomb with the name the gospel on it, 
This is, these are the American bombs that we're using to destroy the, the Palestinians with. Uh, and, and their children are being completely uh, eviscerated by these bombs. And, and when the heart goes cold at that level, then sadomasochism is absolutely easy. I've told us this for decades. War and perverse sex are two sides of the same coin when you and I have completely lost or have had our moral compass bent in the dark direction, and all of these things have to be connected. This is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as I've shared with you guys so many times. The white horse, red horse, uh, bay horse, and black horse. All of them, a war, famine, pestilence, death. War, famine, pestilence, death in our world. The only hope is the white horse of the gospel that men might be redeemed up out of this cycle of destruction. I'm going to take a break, then I'll come back and chat with you a little bit more. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We will not only find that they're connected at agenda levels, but they're connected at at genealogical levels, at lineages. These are cousins and relatives of each other to the third and fourth and fifth generation going backwards. That's weird itself. I'll be right back. To join the conversation, call 888-4KFAX. That's 888-FOR-KFAX. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. And as the announcer said, the number is one 888 1-888-367-5329. If you want to join the conversation with yours truly, Jesse Gistan. And I'm talking with Brother Jermaine on the line. And the question that you had raised, Jermaine, is so... You said, are these factors interconnected? Are the issues of how uh, the global alliance at the business level and then obviously at the um, nepotistic level? Nepotism is really the fundamental uh, question that's being raised. How is it that, you know, these powerful, I mean, Klaus Schwab, you know, the Schwabs are, are, are historically uh, notoriously uh, wealthy barons who have engaged in <clears throat> everything from technology to war, as you, as you might know. I mean, we go way back, and at the top of the list of really our concern about their integrated uh, agenda is really eugenics. That ought to ring very clear with you. And if one were to follow the trail about the, and eugenics, Jermaine, is really nothing more than a substratum or a false premise for slavery and colonialism across the world. Um, and this is why there is an immediate correlation to the honeypot system of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and his ties to Israel uh, and Israel's ties to America and America's ties to Europe, Britain, etc. When you when you when you circulate these geographical um, uh, categories, geopolitical categories, it, it becomes very obvious that there is an inner circle, uh, uh, a kind of hierarchy of inner circles of who's who that is definitely not free of a kind of nepotistic, privileged. Uh, status. This is your Bible. I mean, your Bible is very clear about how the monarchs engaged in uh, not only uh, polygamy, 
but endogamy, and that is marrying within its own bloodlines and engaging in behavior that uh, is prohibited by the Levitical code and, and is once again highlighted in Romans chapter one. These are folks who don't have any allegiance to the biblical model and therefore respect of their own seed and own lineage. This is why they're moving towards transhumanism. How hateful must one be to society and uh, the normal uh, organic uh, uh, life of human beings to want to engage in a departure from this life into a status of transhumanism, which is really coming from the same sources. Eugenics is a diabolical assertion that, uh, that humanity needs to be purified and ethnic groups need to be cleansed. No pun intended, it's just a fact. And when we sit here in America and, and let groups of people uh, be completely exterminated without, without saying anything about it, it's because we are also trapped by those same kind of models. And it's really bizarre because our government, uh, our, our Senate and Congress uh, just sits back and lets the executive branch do all of these kinds of things in the name of war in preparation for the next geopolitically, strategically dominant parts of the world to be controlled by, again, uh, the globalists of which people on both sides of the aisle of the aisle are engaged in. So for me, your question is such a, a pertinent one. How connected are these things? They're deeply connected in, in my opinion. What say you? Well, yeah, and um, you know another connection that you may have not seen was I uh, wasn't able to be in the house, but I heard you during your sermon say, "Welcome to Epstein Island," and I found it ironic. I kind of laughed because I had just happened to be watching Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan back from my childhood with uh, Ricardo sure. Montalban, who played Mister Wark sure. from Fantasy Island. And there was always this one episode that, as a kid, used to kind of mess with me, where it was Mister Wark versus Satan, but it kind of hit me like that's exactly what's going on. It's uh, Epstein Island was like a proverbial fantasy island. These people seem to be gathering to do whatever was in their perverse minds, except, you know, they were dealing with the devil, not knowing that there's a price to pay. So, uh, and, and as far as eugenics goes, the character he played Khan, eugenics explored to its full ex extent really doesn't end well because those people tend to become you know, superiority maniacs, and it's just, it's a false notion, and all of it just, it kind of all reflects back to humanity thinking it knows more than it does. It's almost like a, a Tower of Babel situation where it's just going to blow up in your face. Yeah, well, you're right. First of all, you're, you're again, engaging in what we do here and recognizing within a lot of our movies these different eugenics tropes and these different uh, eugenics, whether or not it's, you know, at, at the ground level here in America or um, with uh, Elon Musk's own endeavors to transcend our present solar system into, uh, you know, uh, multi-planetary uh, planetary existence in the name of uh, of uh, survive, saving and surviving of the species, uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, predictive programming is dominantly seen in Star Trek <clears throat> along these very lines that you and I are talking about, and it's really sort of um, code for transhumanism, code for the manipulation of the gene pool, code for a hybriding of humans 
and species that uh, we cannot uh, say anything less than it, it being a, a maniacal, demonic kind of Frankenstein existence. This is why the whole idea of um, of uh, alien invasion is nothing but another CIA trope that's designed to condition us for the mis manipulation and misrepresentation of the human species uh, under the Petri dish and under um, uh, new technology that would create, you know, different manifestations of, of perverted entities. Uh, of course, because we do hold to a biblical worldview that there are demonic powers behind a lot of these institutions, we are not at all that we're on the brink of beholding things and seeing things that are indescribable. The word of God says that. And so we, we recognize that we don't have to lose our mind when, in short order, uh, our military and our D Department of Defense will be talking about we have, we have made contact with the aliens. But the aliens are nothing but us, just a fabricated, extended, very complex system of Frankensteinian uh, evolution and, uh, and, and dark powers that are engaging in technologies that um, will ultimately lead to to the destruction of society if left to itself. I mean, the hope of the gospel and the hope of God intervening to stop this foolishness, as you have intimated, Jermaine, is 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 very appealing to all of us who have our feet on the ground. I am by no means um, uh, confident that anything that our our, our scientists who are trapped and controlled by the systems um, and telling us how great. Uh, you know, innovation and technology at the level of AI is going to be, um, or how 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 uh, devastating it could be if AI goes off and begins to engage in its own uh, sort of independent autonomous control. I mean, both of those scenarios really is nothing but a, a present contemporary interpretation of what the scripture says is a time coming when God will give humanity over to a strong delusion that they should believe a lie and, and, and the, the coming of that power that will dominate the structures and systems of this world, along with the technological advancements that we have already made in the area of, uh, of, of science, communication, uh, transhumanism at the level of artificial intelligence, all of those will be factors in deceiving the masses into believing that we are dealing with something of a new species from another planet. It will simply be another way of bringing humanity into subjugation. The only thing is I don't believe that it actually will 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 work as, as you're stating, but the outcome could be tragic before it would get better. Listen, Jermaine, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the thoughts. Glad to be having a little bit of uh, George Ori right about now on these matters. Um, the number is one 367 1-888-367-5329 if you want to join the conversation on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Uh, think globally, act locally. We'll be right back. To join the conversation, call 888-4-KFAX. That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, with that, time 619 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. If you want to give me a call, as you heard the announcer say, one 367 Thank you, Jermaine, for stirring our thoughts around um, 
Are, are these things connected? Without a doubt, they are. Um, and as I stated, um, you, you, you can, all you have to do is go back through history. I was thinking about the fascinating period, uh, and it's unavoidably uh, necessary, thinking about World War II and, the, uh, and Hitler's Germany and the uh, uh, you know, destruction of many lives. Do you know that most of those Holocaustic activities were adjacent to and part of uh, uh, medical experimentation on the part of big pharmaceuticals even back then? Did you know that? I mean, because you should, you must know that these are science events. These are technological events, events at the scientific level, but they're made out to be part of some kind of nationalistic conflict. But in reality, what was happening in Germany at that time were the scientists who were eugenists as well, who didn't believe in humanity. And I don't think many of our politicians are far from that reality here in America. But what they were doing were taking human beings of all kinds of ethnic groups and engaging in the most immoral scientific explorations. You must know that. Experiments. Um, and sadly, Sadly, our nations were uh, aware of it and in many cases involved in it, so much so, after the Second World War was won. What did we do with a lot of those maniacal, um, war-mongering, uh, war-criminal doctors who worked under Hitler? We brought them into our own government. We put them in our own institutions. We gave them prestigious positions in our universities. You don't know this. Many of them walked away from uh, complicity in criminal crimes that we all, you know, during the uh, Nuremberg trials and uh, as we were establishing, rightly so, um, a kind of uh, new criminal law court for, for war crimes, for military uh, infractions as a consequence of the Holocaust. Although I may remind you that there were more than Jews that were killed at that time, and you, you, we just need to be honest about that. Um, yeah, so many people got away because they were able to be part of an ongoing worldwide cabal of experimentation of taking the common folks off the ground and uh, engaging in uh, medical tyranny. I promise you, if you live for another 10 to 20 years, COVID will be proven to have been a medical, tyrannical experimentation. It was against the will of the people. They didn't know what was happening to them. They still don't. No one, no one knows explicitly what's in those vials, not even the doctors. And so when it all, when the smoke is cleared, we're going to realize that we are constantly in a state of being manipulated by governments for their own advantages in the name of science and technology. It is not good if human beings, particularly the ones that are in power, do not recognize the dignity and worth of human beings, then they will do to you as they did with our African brothers and sisters for hundreds of years. This is the dangerous parallel between uh, the apartheid states of South Africa 
and uh, colonial uh, uh, domination by European countries, including America, and what's happening in Israel. No one wants to say it explicitly out loud, but the parallels are uncanny. We've already heard the terminology on the part of Netanyahu and others to call Palestinian men and women who are absolutely created with the same level of reality, dignity, humanity in the Imago Dei as you and I and brilliant people in their own right across different institutions and, and systems in our world as animals, as, as uh, inhumane. I mean, that kind of propaganda is actually unlawful. You can't use that terminology in war anymore because that is what we were doing with Africans. This is what we were doing in, uh, in Vietnam. This is the way we were talking concerning the wars in Afghanistan. This is what you do. You dehumanize people. And then you feel like you can do with them whatever you want. This is, this is criminal. It's certainly not godly. And I can't stand when a Christian thinks he can submit to or agree with that kind of uh, absolutely unbiblical, Cain-like mentality. There's no righteousness in that kind of framing, none whatsoever. This is why I actually do believe that we are in a state of utter deterioration spiritually in America so that we are resorting again, not forwards, but backwards. You're going to gradually see the increased escalation of a kind of military-mindedness in the name of religion, particularly Zionist Christianity, that's really going to be more Old Testament than New. The New Testament just won't give you any kind of moral grounds for this kind of disregard for your fellow man. But if you want to jump back in the Old Testament and call him Jah, or Jehovah, or Yahweh, or Yeshua, and avoid all New Testament language, which you and I already see these trends happening with different, different folks, where you can hide under Toweva laws and and the old, old covenant and, and utilize the uh, mosaic uh, principles when it comes to entrance into the land and operate out of a kind of a Joshua system. Well, yeah, you can do that, but you are completely outside of the framework of a biblical Christocentric understanding of the reality of God. You have no Christian grounds for it, none whatsoever. You are not Christian. You are not Christian. So the so-called Christian Zionists who engage in toleration of the destruction of people groups in the name of God is a God of war in that sense, in that old covenant sense, you have fallen from grace, you are back up under the works of the law and therefore under the curse. It's just very clear to me that trajectory. And this is all about power. This is about people wanting to be on the side of the folks with power. So yeah, that's what's going on Presently, the, the international courts have clearly and definitively and explicitly and eloquently demonstrated out of the mouth of the leadership in Israel this kind of notorious agenda. And because America has the ability to pull the coattails and disregard and, and uh, deny submission to the international court, particularly when it pleases them, they just go around and do what they want to. Well, Israel did does too. And people that are afraid of power and controlled by power, that's what you do. This is why when Fauci was in power, people kowtowed to him. Didn't matter whether what he was doing was constitutional or not. Didn't matter that it didn't have any science behind it. Masks don't work. 
for viruses. This is not an ounce of evidence for that. They work for other things, not viruses. Six feet spacing doesn't keep you from catching COVID. Sorry. You can create a kind of phobic fear of humanity. It make, you know, you, humanity now becomes for you a bioweapon. This creates for you a kind of neurosis, neurotic fear of your fellow man. And that's definitely what the devil wants you to do. Be afraid that everything that's walking by is a biohazard. But that's in your own head. And we see people trapped by that today, do we not? This is much more of a spiritual warfare to break down humanity, to unground them and to dislodge them from reality and to have them gripped by and permanently controlled by fear of which the World Health Organization, you've been warned, you have been warned, is definitely setting up strategic policies by which the next time there is a pandemic declared, your government will yield authority to them to implement policies as we felt the last three years. And we will be once again back in the world of Orson Welles, 1984. It will be Orwellian for sure. And that's because we will have allowed it. That's because when iniquity abound, the hearts become hardened. And that means the love of God in the heart has diminished to such a degree that fear dominates rather than love. And that is love of the truth. Again, this is 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verse 12. Because they did not have a love for the truth that they might be saved. A knowledge of the truth, yes. An awareness of the truth, yes. A love for the truth that they might be saved, no. And for this cause, God gave them over to a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And this has repeated itself as a principle throughout America for time immemorial, your government produces a lie in a fantastic, gargantuan way, and we capitulate to it, and then they get away with criminal behavior, <clears throat> and then some other theater of uh, distraction and extraction occurs and takes us down another prim road, and we forget what just happened a few years back. This is where you and I are today. This is where we are. This is why we are not advancing as a country. This is why we're not getting better as a society. Our government is operating out of a system of Agenda 21, now Agenda 2030, and Goals 2000, and many other uh, high-level plutocratic, corporatocratic, um, money-dominated, globalist elite globalist agendas that are not conspiracy theories. They are facts. You can read them for yourself. We are in open conspiracy mode, as um, Plato has said. It's just that people don't care. And we're seeing our, our society, you know, gradually decay. one 367 one Two lines open. When we come back, we're going to the phone lines on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. To join the conversation, call 888-4-KFAX. That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. Let's have the conversation. Let's go to line one and talk with John. John, are you there? How are you doing, man? Hey, how are you doing, sir? I'm Just great. Say, um, that, that God is good. I appreciate you. 
doing what you're doing, um, you know, challenges in life, but uh, keep pushing. And uh, I just want to say uh, that, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to participating in our civic duty this year. Absolutely. And, and, and hoping that other people that hear, hear my voice are going to participate also, regardless of whatever they might feel that the system is not working for them. It's a uh, part of being a citizen of these United States. And also, uh, John, we could, John, it could be a lot of things. Let me just put a, a few more and you can build on it. I'm, you know, I'm called a pastor and I've, I've been pastoring a long time. And so I don't have, um, I don't feel a call to get into politics. I, I hope I never do in that regard, but I'm certainly going to support men and women who uh, who, who, who are, who, who, let me say it like this. I'm definitely going to support men and women who are going to put, put themselves in positions of strategic influence to change our society from the direction that it's going. There is no other way to respond to the level of degradation, deterioration, distortion and deception that has gripped our nation and has gripped our worldview and has destroyed <clears throat> a sense of um, absolute morals and right and wrong other than to get in there and do what you can as salt and light, which is what you're doing. And, and I commend you for it. And it doesn't even really matter, John, in terms of, um, you know, what people think is just as long as you guys are in there doing what you can do, you will influence somebody. I guarantee you that. Go ahead on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You walk in the room and all of a sudden they don't even know you. They just change their work. Their life. So um, I look forward to, to uh, this with people I would never let them show this to use this opportunity to go out and meet your neighbors and um, influence them, you know, in, in the right way. I totally agree with you. And that there is just what we might even call, you know, a kind of lifestyle evangelism. Of course, we recognize our neighbors. I mean, really, literally our neighbors in our neighborhood. We recognize our neighbors in the area that we frequent and live and shop and do all of the things we do. I certainly do. I look for every opportunity to encourage men and women. I mean, I, I, you know, because of the way our political system and, and certainly here in California with the high leftist ideology so critically prevalent, uh, which we know is a serious departure from a healthy biblical worldview. I engage everyone. I don't care whether you're on the left or the right. Try to find a point of common ground particularly if there are real human issues that we need to work on, and then try to be as influential in terms of moral and ethical rectitude and propriety as much as possible. I try to avoid, John, telling them I'm a pastor because they get all weird about the pastor thing, uh, but I really do try to engage them at the level of our human commonness and our human uh, coexistence and our need to rise above the impulses of a depraved nature of which the word of God says we should not do. So the rule for anyone in a position of authority, which I'm definitely praying for you and hoping that everything comes together for your run, as well as many others that Leslie and Tom are engaging with, which I'm very thankful that they are, 
is that you guys would be successful and that this would be a pattern for a long time to come for us to um, begin to see some changes in the local Bay Area. I'll give you the last word before I let you go, bro. I think uh, you, you commented earlier on loving your neighbor, loving people. And um, even though when you, 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 you have all of our own responsibilities, when you love people, you're, you're serving them. And this is uh, another way of serving people. I totally agree. In fact, that is the ultimate commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor is yourself. And that's what the believer should be doing in order to set up a platform for the glorious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you, my dear brother. Bless you. Keep on keeping on. Let me go to line number two and talk with James. James, are you there? Hey, PJ, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. What you up to? And I'm just sitting here, uh, you know, taking in, you know, everything that I've been listening to. And I guess, you know, me, the thing that just rings out most is, the, I mean, uh, the fact, the idea of the scripture that it's not enough to just know the truth. We have to love the truth. And guess what really hit home is that that's got to start with us yeah. uh, <laughs> as believers. And if yeah. I think there's a lot of believers, obviously, that know the truth, uh, but we don't love the truth. We haven't learned to love the truth. I don't think that's been drilled down, uh, drilled down enough to just uh, has been drilled down enough. I just want to get your input on that because if us as believers really knew and understood that. Uh, then we could spread we, we, we could spread that out. I think if we, as believers, really held to the truth, then so many of us wouldn't have, for example, capitulated and took the jab, because we just we just really didn't we didn't get it. And I know we it was it, it was a tough situation, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were uh, about you know about what I'm saying now. Yeah, uh, you know we. Hold on. What are you saying? No, I, no. I mean, and the truth is the truth regarding everything. The truth is the truth, and that's in all categories, whether it be politics, government, medicine, every you know, in all areas. Right. Well, <clears throat> so here's the thing about the truth: it's not merely propositional. It's not merely theoretical. Truth is the embodiment of the character of God in the hypostasis or the incarnation, the hypostasis, the, the God-man Jesus Christ, who is the epitome of the revelation of the invisible God, his exact representation bodily. The invisible God is comprehended fully, redemptively, and vitally in the person of Jesus. He's our model. <clears throat> and Jesus didn't just go around doing Bible studies. He didn't. Jesus lived a life that was fully fleshed out in all relevant parts of society while maintaining his meticulous calling as Messiah because the vast majority of his work would be done after his resurrection in the sending of the third person who would take up the task of presenting the perfections of God's law personified in the person of Jesus 
in the preaching of the gospel and the replication of Jesus's identity in the lives of men and women. And he would expect us to fully engage culture and life as we have for 2,000 years. We already got the playbook to live it out and be ready for those seasons <clears throat> where the truth is not convenient. This is what we mean by, and because they did not receive a love for the truth that they may, might be saved, they were uprooted by the spirit of error. That's what Paul is saying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the spirit of error uprooted them. This becomes the warning of the parable of the shallow ground hearer or the thorny ground hearer, the cares of this life, or the fact that they did not go deep enough to find real roots in true regeneration, and therefore the vital capacity by the grace of God to stand in the face of evil and not decry, deny Christ and not deny him as Lord. This is what you and I were working through in the whole COVID period. What I was telling everybody is, hey, remember Jesus is Lord. You don't get to just let people tell you what to do and how to live and stick your body out there. You are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and you are obligated to know what people are asking you to do because you're a child of the living God. Well, our love if it's not deep enough to be ready to stand against the unseasonal assault of political systems, which has been going on from the beginning of time, then we have failed to realize the presence of God's love in our knowledge of the truth claims, and we collapse into capitulation, idolatry, apostasy, etc. cetera, our, our failings. But that's, that's all forgivable for the man or the woman that realizes they should have never, ever yielded to unconstitutional, unbiblical, ungodly uh, behavior like that. They should have proven these things out, and they have a chance to do it again. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'll try to uh, continue with you a bit. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Then we'll try to catch Murphy. Maybe we'll be right back on this Monday edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. We've got, got about seven minutes in this segment. Uh, James, we were talking about the distinction between uh, knowing the truth, having the truth, and loving the truth. I think that was the kind of triad that I brought to the conversation with, with John and, and where we are <clears throat> to, today in our world. I, I think it's a matter of really... Uh, being able to explain what loving the truth looks like in the context in which that truth is threatened and that truth is challenged. Because, <clears throat> of course, you can, you, you can say, one can say they love something, but if it's never challenged, if it's never threatened, if it's never uh, faced with the possibility of being taken away, then we can really never know. And God has plainly told us that this factor, I mean, the way he framed it with, with Peter, because the disciples collapsed. So you and I understand that there is a space within the challenges, challenging life of the believer, <clears throat> whether individually or in small uh, micro scenarios or larger macro scenarios, such as governments decreeing that we burn incense to Caesar, that these things can expose us for being weak in faith. <clears throat> and upon discovering we're weak in faith, we, we ask God for grace to turn from that uh, pattern of weakness and to be rooted more deeply in Christ and therefore be able to stand 
in a subsequent trial. That's what the apostles did. They had all collapsed <clears throat> until they were empowered from on high in Acts chapter 2. And they went forth presenting the truth in love and suffering the opposition that came to them, how remarkably different they were after uh, Pentecost than they were before. And that, that, that also is the way church history worked. I talked to us about this during the COVID time too, that uh, in the first century Roman empire uh, and all the way up to the second and third centuries, you know, particularly until Constantine basically put it in to, um, to um, persecuting Christians, Christians, had to endure uh, the threat of, uh, of, of isolation, <clears throat> of abandonment, banishment rather, for not bowing the knee to Caesar. And some of them did collapse and capitulate to Caesar and later on recanted. And the church had to work through the ideology and the doctrinal premises for their recovery so what we are not saying as we have this conversation is that, you know, people that fail to understand the diabolical nature of this last, um, what we call bio-weaponized um, ex exploration upon humanity with the whole COVID thing, they may have failed, but they don't have to the next time around. Uh, we can learn from it as Peter did, and, uh, and hopefully we can do better. So I think that, and I'm going to give you you know, your last word on this. I think that what we have to continue doing uh, for those of us who may not have collapsed on that, uh, continue to drill down into uh, being ready for a second assault, third assault, whatever that angle may be, because we always know from the word of God, eventually governments are going to turn against God and against his truth and therefore against his people. This is the season of opposition. That's what Paul told Timothy. The time is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. These are the times in which we are living and it's gradually growing. Other countries is more severe, but it's coming here too. And if we at this first stage of the battle have been able to demonstrate it's better to obey God than man, then maybe our brothers and sisters who collapsed before will stand this time around and not suffer themselves to be so easily moved. I'll give you the last word. Okay, I'm I'm glad you said that because now you just you're always uh, sparking thinking, and I want I've been wanting to ask this question. When it comes to truth, is there do, we, do you believe there's any way to in being doing that with that power from on high, you know, by the Holy Spirit, uh, without affecting sound doctrine, without knowing who the Lord is, without no, learning about no, who the Lord is? Yeah. No, yeah, no, great. Great question. Yeah, we got to ferret that out. So yeah, this will be the way we'll close because it's a very, very good question and something I've thought about all my ministry, all my life. I've thought about it all my life. I really have thought about it all my life. And I, I you know, thank you for allowing this to get expanded just a tad because whenever you and I, and you know the traditions from which our folks are from, we go to talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, and we know that in the regulated church, in the captivated church, in the government-controlled churches, they have also created a fictitious Holy Ghost that doesn't correspond with the reality of what Acts 2 is talking about and therefore doesn't manifest the reality of the power of grace to allow men and women to comprehend Christ rightly, 
sufficiently and therefore bear the testimony of obedience in the midst of suffering the way uh, the way that, that, that we should. In other words, I believe there is an absolute correlation between the power of truth and propositional truth claims concerning Jesus. In other words, another way to argue it or to consider it is, does God bless his people with endued power of the nature of the spirit of Christ by which the qualities and characteristics and attributes of Christ emerge in our life for a vital and legitimate and genuine testimony to others uh, apart from truth uh, in the context of lies, misrepresentations of the deity of Christ, misrepresentations of the nature of the spirit of God in terms of his works of power, misrepresentation of the uh, redemptive work of Christ in terms of what salvation constitutes. And I would say the answer is absolutely not, that, that the Holy Spirit is not going to honor us in our conduct where we have dishonored the son in terms of doctrinal fidelity. If we think we can play fast and loose with God in terms of not being uh, diligent to know the truth as it is in Jesus, which he said in John chapter 8, 31 must be the case. If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word. You won't play with my word. You won't misrepresent my word. You won't deny my word. You won't distort my word. You will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will liberate you in the face of all opposition. This is why we have the book of Acts. It's the model. So the disciples did not go around misrepresenting the truth of the gospel. Now, the gospel is not so profoundly complex that you have to have a PhD to be able to accurately comprehend it or accurately communicate it. We know that because young people can, children can. We're, we're baptizing young people, and young people can get the gospel. But getting the gospel proper in the fundamentals of it is essential to the spirit of God working in us, the integrity to stand for the glory of God in the person of Christ. They are two sides of the same coin. And may God give us the propositional truth claims of Christ, along with the power of the spirit of Christ to help bring credibility to our witness as children of the living God so that we can execute what you had stated, our James, John had stated, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Great questions. We'll chat with you on tomorrow night with a whole bunch of you brothers, Tuesday night Bible study at Grace Bible Church, Wednesday Zoom class. We are continuing with the Pilgrim's Progress. We are going to uh, continue down the road dealing with sanctification in the area of patience. Uh, until then, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord calls his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord give you his peace. The Lord give you his shalom in the person of Jesus, Yeshua, Hashem, Jesus, the Christ, son of the living God. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.